today. He is risen. Amen. Hallelujah. God, you are good and we give you praise in this place today. Thank you, God, for sending your son.
today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for your gift to us. Hallelujah. We didn't deserve it.
celebrate that today in the mighty, incredible, and wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone in this room said, amen, amen, amen. What an incredible day. Um, I tell you, without this day, 
our lives and the future of our lives um, are, are a disaster. I don't know about you, it was, almost, it was almost 33 years ago for me that I accepted Christ. And uh, I, I literally can't imagine my life without him. Can, can you relate to that? And if you're here and maybe you're not walking with Jesus, maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian, I just, our prayer is that you would consider Jesus today and what he did. But we're so glad that you're here. Let's take a few minutes and greet each other. God bless all of you today. All right, stop all the talking. Get back to your seat. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying each other. And uh, that really is a great time to be able to connect with somebody, maybe somebody you haven't seen in a couple few weeks or whatever. But welcome to Praise Assembly. And if you're here and you are a guest, maybe this is your first time here or second or third time, you never filled out one of these Connect cards, if you could fill this out, bring it to our guest services uh, uh, desk out here. They have a gift for you. That would be a tremendous help to us, and we would really, really appreciate it if, uh, if you could do that. Now, our ushers, if you'd come, we're going to receive our morning tithe and offering. Now, there's an envelope on your seat. It's like 400 and something of these bad boys sitting out there in every seat. And uh, hold on to this. This is for our One Day to Feed the World offering that goes towards the Ministry of Convoy of Hope. Uh, please don't put these in the first offering because uh, it'll just help our counters so much if you can do that. So hold on to these. There'll be a second offering. Our pastor will be talking about that in a little bit. So again, just hang on to these. And we're going to pray and uh, receive our first offering. Again, this is the second offering. So Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for life that you bring. Jesus, uh, there could just be testimonies around this room of, of life that you have brought from a place of death in our life. And we thank you for the opportunity to worship you in this very tangible, very real, very powerful way of giving. I pray your blessing on this offering and on this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you guys. Hey, we have uh, some announcements today. Uh, number one, again, uh, the second offering, just a moment, Convoy of Hope, One Day to Feed the World offering. That'll be taking place in just a few here. Uh, we have young adults. We have volleyball night. This is serious. This is serious. This isn't just a game. This is competition. And so bring your game, young adults. Um, and uh, if you're in your 40s, I'm sorry, this is not volleyball night for you. Uh, but this is for Young Adults Night. Oh, talk to Sam. Maybe she'll let you in. I don't know. Um, but Young Adults Volleyball Night this coming Friday. Saturday night, we have our, our youth ministries. We're heading to Trinity Church in Hokesson. And we have um, our Spiritual Rally, which is that night. We're going to have youth ministries from all over Delaware, parts of greater Philadelphia. We're going to be coming there. We're going to be uh, joining uh, together that night in a service to really... Uh, Spend some time talking about the work of the Spirit of the Holy Spirit and experiencing Him, and that's going to happen this Saturday night. We also have coming up Rudy and Sharon Swanepoel, which will be here uh, next week, the 16th. You have the schedule on the bottom of your bulletin there. Uh, they'll be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Take advantage of those opportunities. Let's face it, there's so many things going on in life. This is a window you have to really seek God, to really experience Him, and to be able to, to do that here uh, coming up really quickly. Also, uh, we have our, our, our new check-in procedure for kids. Now, how many know when you begin new things, sometimes it can be a little clunky? Well, we're trying to avoid all of that and uh, give you a heads up. If you're a parent and you're checking your kids into nursery or preschool or to kids' church, we're going to have a new procedure, and we're letting you know that April 30th is when that's going to begin. And uh, we're excited because uh, anything we can do to, to uh, uh, let there be greater safety and security for our kids, that's what we want, and that's coming up. Make note of that. And our VBS volunteer registration. Uh, it's coming up. That's going to be June 26th through the 29th. If you're interested in helping that, please see Miss Lucy, and she'll give you some direction. And the last announcement is for men's breakfast, which is this Saturday from 8 to 10 a.m. And the, the topic or the theme this, this uh, coming month is decisions. So if you uh, are having to make decisions uh, that are critical in life, this is an opportunity to be here. And on a side note, if we have some younger men, now you don't have to be 20-something, even though that's a, a, a great age to begin this, but if you're a younger man, you know, maybe 30s, 40s, or, or something like that, and, and you love to cook breakfast, well, we have our, our chefs that we have, and they are chefs, okay? I will not insult their craft. These men are artisans that cook men's breakfast. They're, they're, they're getting, they've, they've said this to me, they're getting older, a little long in the teeth, and, and they, they can't cook forever. They want to train up a new generation of men to cook. So if that's your interest, please see Ralph um, or Jake, and they'll be able to put you in, the, in touch with the right person because we want, uh, again, men's breakfast to continue for years to come. God bless you, and happy Easter. Wow. Do I still have to preach? That was, that was good. That was good, Pastor Hans. That was anointed. Hey, two quick announcements. Well, not, not quick announcements. I got two very important announcements. One is, hopefully, when you came in today, you received the bulletin schedule events, which he just read to us, and then also a report on a pajama drive. Did you see that? 260 pairs of PJs. Thank you for your giving, as well as all the other stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> that is incredible. Really, really appreciate that. What a blessing. And, of course, now we want to begin to think about our Convoy of Hope One Day to Feed the World offering. And before we ask the ushers to come, I want to share with you a story 
uh, from our own church. And uh, it's a story... It's a story about the faith of a little child. Last year, we received a special offering for one day on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And a little girl who's usually in kids' church at that time was in our main service, and she was here to hear our speaker, who is Gary Hansen from Convoy that morning. Gary also shared a number of videos that morning, if you remember. Uh, Again, she was supposed to be over there, she was here when Gary came to present on Convoy. And after the service, she told her parents that there was a powerful Convoy video that was shared that really moved her to do something. And this little girl's in fourth grade. But here's what she did. She put, when she went home, she put Convoy of Hope on her Christmas list. And, um, and it was her second wish on her list that she was going to send to Santa. She wanted money to donate to Convoy of Hope, fourth grade. And then shortly after, she received a letter back from Santa, if we can show that photo. And I know that you can't read it from where you're sitting, so I'm going to read it to you. But this was the response. It reads, Dear Addison, to honor you this year, here is money to donate to the Convoy of Hope like you asked for on your list. Because of you, people are going to receive hope and help when they need it most. Go online to the Convoy catalog to purchase a goat. (laughs) I love that. Always keep your kind and generous spirit. Love always Santa Claus. So even Santa got into the act. So again, Convoy Hope was her second item on her wish list. And it probably would have been first, except I was told that the number one spot on her request to Santa was for a baby sister. (laughs) I haven't heard any results on that. I didn't dig that deep. But... uh, but we, we believe the convoy did get their goat. <laughs> and that little girl's name, as you already heard, is Addison. She's Addison Hardy. And thank you, Addison, for your love for Convoy of Hope and the people that they serve. So in a moment, the ushers are going to come. You have that special envelope. Amen. Amen. Whatever you put in that envelope, again, one day, ideally, but any gift at all would be appreciated. And if you're like me, I totally forgot. Here, I'm making the announcement. So you can give online, and that's what I'll do later uh, today or tomorrow. So uh, you'll see a one-day, Convoy Hope, one day to feed the world button. Click that, and you can give that way as well. But let's pray for the offering, and then the ushers will come. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this incredible opportunity. Lord, to make a, a difference in people's lives, real people around the world, through Convoy of Hope and their feeding program, their disaster assistance, Lord. God, for their citywide outreaches, for their women's empowerment ministry. Lord, for their agricultural ministry, we thank you for what they're doing around the world and that we can be part of this, that we can help them help those who have need. And I pray now your blessing on this offering and on, the, on those who will give digitally, electronically, online as well. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.
He is risen. Amen? He is risen. Let's begin this morning by reading the account of that resurrection event. Luke chapter 24, beginning of verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. <clears throat> they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this most holy day, a day of remembering what you have done for us. Lord God, you made freedom. You made the freedom of eternal life real for anyone who would be willing to receive it. And Lord God, I pray that you would touch our hearts today, reminding us of this truth once again. And maybe for some, the first time really understanding all that you've done. And we ask for your anointing, for the presence of your Holy Spirit 
to work right alongside of your holy word to speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, we're, we're all familiar with what, with what happened over 2,000 years ago, just as we saw on the screen, as we read here in this account out of the Gospel of Luke. It definitely happened. There is no disputing the fact that Jesus Christ was put on trial, that he was beaten, crucified, and rose from the dead. And, and I can say this in full confidence, beside, because besides what our Bible tells us, there are also plenty of secular histories that have also been written, that tell us everything that happened on the days leading up to his resurrection. You know, in a sense, you don't even have to be a believer to believe that it happened, because it is historical fact. Concerning his resurrection specifically, no one has ever yet discovered the corpse of Jesus Christ. His bones have not been found anywhere on this planet. There is no final grave or resting place designated as being his. And that is obviously because he rose from the dead. He's not here. He rose from the dead. And the Bible tells us of how after his resurrection, he showed himself to many, many, many people. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 is just one reference. Listen to this. It says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And spoke about the kingdom of God after he was raised. And then there's also the Apostle Paul's reference in his letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 beginning at verse 1. He says, now brothers and sisters, <clears throat> I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Amen. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 people at the same time. Most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. And so you see, Jesus, following his resurrection from the dead, showed himself to more than 500 people in one gathering. That's proof alone. He walked this earth and displayed his resurrected body as a witness to those that were there for, for at least 40 days, we read. And, and so we know that it happened. We know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened. So today, we don't need to be concerned about whether or not it happened, but instead I want us to, be, I want us to consider why it happened. That, that's, that's probably more important. I mean, why did Jesus have to suffer? Why did he have to die? Why is his resurrection so important? And the best passage of scripture that I know that answers this question is found in the book of Hebrews, second chapter, Hebrews 2, verse 14. Let's look at this together. Hebrews 2, 14 says, Since the children, you and I, have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. 
Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. And what is so neat about what we've just read here in these few verses is that we are being reminded of the human condition, both the human condition before Christ, as well as the power of what he has done. You see, before Jesus came into our world, the entire world was in extreme darkness. Ever since the fall of the first man and woman, sin had run rampant on this earth. The Old Testament tells us so much about this. There are, again, many secular histories as well about humankind and the gross cruelty and barbarism that was part of everyday life. In fact, I was going to read some excerpts out of a book called Dominion. It was written by a man who started the book as as an atheist. And in writing that book, putting together this history of mankind, humankind, discovered Christ. And and the debauchery, the things that were taking place in ancient times, pale, believe it or not, pale in comparison to what's going on in our world today. The barbarism that he mentions, I mean, it's unbelievable. There were some extremely dark days in the millennia that have since passed. Life was treacherous. Life was short. Life was, 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 wasn't, there just wasn't much to be happy about. Life for millennia was just basic survival. Just trying to get through each day. And then you have the 400 years leading up to the birth of the Messiah. They had to have been the darkest years. And I say this because even in ancient times, God was speaking to the Old Testament Jews. We have the Old Testament as proof of that. But then there's this 400-year gap of silence where God is not speaking to Jews. He's not speaking to his Hebrew people. 400 years between the time the last prophet was used by God in the Old Testament until the first New Testament prophet arrives, a man by the name of John the Baptist. And it was during that dark period in history that God sent his light into the world. I want to look together at a passage I usually read during a Christmas Eve candlelight service because it so eloquently tells us about how the light of Jesus Christ permeated this dark world. And it's John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him all things were made. Now this is talking about Jesus. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth, Jesus Christ. You see, the truth is that Jesus' arrival into our world brought an unprecedented change into our world. Jesus brought real illumination into this world. 
The prophet Isaiah had spoken about this. He'd predicted this event hundreds of years before his arrival, before, before Jesus was born. And we read about it in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. It says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And then it says in verse 2, and, and this is sometimes read at Christmas time as well, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You see, when Jesus arrived on this earth, he showed humankind how to live. He taught them how to live, but he also lived it. And it wasn't just his teachings as a rabbi that transformed our world. I mean, they're, they're, Jesus' teachings are worth us reading about and following. They're a great guideline, but it's more than that. It wasn't just his teachings that brought transformation to our world and is still transforming our world. It was his death and his resurrection that brought the most significant change. Amen. Again, ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, mankind has lived with a legacy of sin and death and even the fear of death. And that's why these, these two, that's, that's what these two humans left for us. That's what's been handed down to us. And before Christ came into our lives, even if we wanted to do something good, think back. Even if we want to do something good, sin was right there, wasn't it? We wanted to do something good and we didn't. We, we, you know, we, we read about the captivity of humankind in Hebrews chapter 2. And it's implied in Isaiah chapter 9, both of which we, we just read. The captivity of the human soul with a natural tendency towards sin. That's, that's what's natural for humans. It's almost like what the Apostle Paul had written to the Roman Christians. Look at this. Romans 7 verse 14. The Apostle Paul said, We know the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. Every human being, before we came to Christ, we were a slave to sin. We had no choice. Paul said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. I want to do something good, and I just, I, somehow I can't. I'm just, I don't have the power. Verse 22, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will and who can rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he gives the answer. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the power of his death and his resurrection. Before you and I gave ourselves to Christ, we were slaves. And the whole world around us today is in slavery to sin and to death. But Jesus changes all that. His death and his resurrection sets us free from the law of sin and death. I want us to look at Hebrews 2.14 again. 
reading it just once again. It says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Look at this. This is talking about the death of death. In fact, I probably should have announced that as my sermon title. Because Easter is about the death of death. Jesus killed the power of death. And look at how this is explained. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, the Apostle Paul once again, he says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you see, Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, brought incredible change into our world. And I don't have have time to go into all the ways that the first Christians changed their society and the way the society has forever been influenced by Christianity. But you know, in the early days of the church, Christians in Rome during the time of the Roman Empire started the first orphan care. They also started the first hospitals and the first nursing homes. that's That's how we would label them today. In other words, they were compelled because of Christ's love. And he proved his love by dying for us. While we were yet sinners, he proved his love for us. Because of that love, they were compelled to rescue abandoned babies, as well as those who were dying and the elderly who were suffering neglect. And that's what it was in those days. The world was a very dark, cruel place. And again, this, this book, if you ever get a chance, the book Dominion. This world was a very harsh place until Jesus Christ came into this world. But you know, Scripture, Scripture takes all of that, and I think it suffices in this instance, but this, this is the impact of what Jesus did and his followers after him. And it's found in Acts 17, 6. It says, but when they could not find them, they're talking about the apostles. They dragged Jason and some other brothers for the city officials. This is in the book of Acts. And, and they accused these men. They said, these men who have turned the world upside down have now come here. They're talking about Christians. These men who have turned the world upside down in so many other places of their world in that day have now come here. Can you imagine the church being accused of turning the world upside down? What a great testimony. And it really shouldn't surprise us. Because in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us that we would be and we should be salt and light. Amen? And you can easily, you can easily, notice, you can easily notice the presence of salt. And light is obviously noticeable in darkness. 
And again, Jesus Christ came into this world during one of the darkest periods of humanity. And that light was noticed by some. Now that passage tells us that many didn't notice. They wanted to reject that light. But again, you and I, we're free from the slavery to sin. We're free from the law of sin and death. We are free because Jesus has put death to death. One of my favorite Bible verses is from Colossians, the second chapter. And it reminds me of what Jesus did on the cross and how his resurrection sealed it all. And this, I lo- again, I love this passage. Look at this, Colossians 2.11. In him you are also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature with the circumcision performed by Christ, not by human hands. And having been buried with him in baptism, you were raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our trespasses, having canceled the debt ascribed to us and the decrees that stood against us. And this is the part I love. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. I love that verse. Verse 15, Jesus publicly humiliated all the powers of hell when he died on that cross and even more as he rose from the grave. Publicly humiliated his enemy and ours. And another, another verse very similar, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, another incredible verse that describes the victory that we've received. 1 John 3, 8 says the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. Amen? That's exciting. And that's where it began. Imagine with me the turmoil in hell. When Satan and his followers got word that the Messiah, whom they had slain, had come back to life. Can you imagine the angst? Can you imagine the hatred? They thought that they had killed all hope for mankind. They really did. They thought, it's over. When Jesus said, it's finished, they believed it. Even Jesus' disciples were despondent. Their leader was dead. Their only hope was dead. You know, we have Good Friday. And I don't like, this is just me personally, I don't like remembering Good Friday. I don't want to think about his death. I like rejoicing in this moment, celebrating his resurrection. But you know, you have Good Friday and you have have Resurrection Sunday. What about Saturday? Have you ever thought about that Saturday? The disciples, they don't know what to do. They're without direction. They don't know what to do. And I I know they forgot his promise because we read it in Luke chapter 24. The women went to the grave and these two men, I assume angels, told them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Don't you remember what he said to you? That on the third day he would rise? Didn't you? See, they forgot that. On Saturday, they forgot it all. It looked like there was no hope. And I'm going to suggest that in hell, there was an unbelievable party that Saturday. Friday, it was done. He's dead. Saturday, there must have been, if there can be rejoicing in hell, that's, I'm going to suggest that that's what was going on. And then Sunday, oh, I, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever get to see reruns or reviews. or re, I don't know if we'll ever get to see what happened in hell on that Sunday. But I just picture, I picture, I picture Satan and his demons so angry that they're taking it out of themselves. Can't you see that? Because they're basically selfish. 
loaded with sin and evil. They were probably fighting one another with their anxiety. I love that. Again, they had thought they killed all hope for mankind. That only lasted less than three days. It all changed three days later. Because three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And the scripture tells us, because he lives, we too shall live. Folks, he's risen. And he's coming again. And he has set us free from sin and death. And given us new life on this earth. And the promise, the guarantee of life eternal. It cost him public ridicule. You read about it in the Bible. You can read about it in secular histories. It cost him great physical anguish as they beat him and tortured him. Ultimately, it cost him his physical life. But his death and resurrection has purchased salvation for us. And he, and he asked only one thing. He, he asked only one thing. He did all that. All the ridicule, all the scorn, all the physical pain, and even death. And he asked only one thing out of us. Because he did all that so that we could live with him forever. He wants every man, every woman, every boy and girl on the face of this earth to someday live with him forever in heaven. That's why he came. Again, we know that he came. We know that he died. We know that he rose from the dead. We know all that. And we can prove all that again. Even with, I don't mean to make, make, make it sound as though secular histories bear more weight than the Bible. But if there's an unbeliever in your life and they need proof, you need to find that proof. Or maybe just share your testimony with them. Because he did come, we know that. He gave his life for us. He rose from the dead for us. The issue today is Why? Because he wants everyone who's ever been created to live forever with him. And the only thing he asks for us is that we would accept him as Lord and Savior. That we would welcome him into our hearts, into our lives. That we'd realize that we need him to forgive us. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of sin. The word says that. He rose from the dead so that we have proof that we also can live forever with him. But we have, to, we have to go to him and say, God, forgive me. Lord Jesus, cleanse me. Forgive my past. Come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. Because ultimately, what he wants more than anything is a personal relationship with every one of us. He paid the greater price because we couldn't. We were completely unable to help ourselves. But we can pray and we can ask him to become our Savior and our Lord. Amen? Let's pray together right now. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask, you know, maybe you've come in here today. Could be your first time. Could be, well, maybe you've been coming here a while. But it is possible that you're here right now, and you have not asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. I'm telling you, folks, he has come. He lived among humanity. He gave his life for the sake of humanity. 
He rose from the dead. It's proven. It's, it's, it's been done. He did it. And if you want to live forever, you have to simply ask him to come into your life to be your savior, to acknowledge that he's your savior, to ask him to forgive you of all sin. And Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would make yourself real to anyone who may be debating this issue in their own heart right now. Lord, how I pray that you'd break through, that there be, there be even one person here today that does not yet have a personal relationship with you, that doesn't realize you're not some faraway, distant God that started this universe, but you are a very personal God who loves each one of us enough to give his own life through his son, Jesus Christ. If there's even one person here today, Lord, I pray, God, that you would touch their hearts. And folks, as we've been praying, I need to ask you, is there someone here today, say, Pastor, that's me. I I need to ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I, I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he rose from the dead. And I'm ready to make that commitment. I want Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I want him to be my Lord. I want him in my life. I need the full forgiveness of all sin and the knowledge that someday I can live in heaven. If that's you this morning, with no one looking around but me, I'd like you to raise your hand wherever you're seated. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, but you're, you're willing to say, Pastor, I want to ask him to come into my heart right now. You can just raise your hand. You won't be embarrassed, but I just, I'll pray for you. I want you to know him as your Savior. That's the, the whole purpose of this incredible celebration of Easter. Is there even just one? Well, Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this church. And I thank you even for those that may be guests here today, Lord, that they have a relationship with you. And Lord, I pray, Master, that in the time between today and the day that you return, that we would be about our Father's business, that we would share the truth that we've heard today with others. Lord, that we'd tell them about you, all that you did, because you love them. Lord, help us to be faithful in our witness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Father God, I pray your blessing upon your people today, Lord. I I pray that there will be, I pray there be some opportunities around dinner tables or being with friends on this holiday where, Lord, each one of us will have the opportunity to share the gospel with someone. Lord, I pray that you'd use your church, not just today, but every day of the week as we scatter through our world. Lord, use us for your purpose and your glory. And I pray your blessing on this very special day for each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you and a happy Easter.